Good morning. Welcome to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. What do you want to talk about? Because it's probably not that game from last night. Toronto Blue Jays lose 4-2 to the Milwaukee Brewers. And they lose in something close to the most frustrating fashion you could think of for this team. Before we get to that, though, uh, heads up on what the schedule looks like today because we're changing things up a little bit. The Toronto Maple Leafs will introduce their new general manager, Brad Tree Living, around 11 o'clock. So Jay's Talk Plus is only 10 to 11 today. Then we'll uh, we'll kick it to that Brad Tree Living press conference live. J.D. Bunkus and I will be with you through to the noon hour to react off of that or, or set it up depending on how tight to the 11 o'clock timing they are. Uh, the Jeff Merrick show comes in at 12 o'clock as usual. And then you have Kipper and Bourne at, at two o'clock um, and Blair and Barker at five o'clock later. But this is a Jays afternoon game as well. The Jays play at one. So uh, the Jays game will be on the Sportsnet radio network. Jeff Merrick's show uh, at one o'clock will stay on the national network. Kipper and Bourne will be on Sportsnet now and YouTube initially, and then we'll replay their show after the Blue Jays game. Uh, and then assuming the Jays game does not go too long, you'll have Blair and Barker five to seven as usual. And that'll be kind of a Jays talk post game slash regular Blair and Barker show since uh, it is a 1 p.m. start. The Toronto Maple Leafs getting in the way. It's only an hour of Jays talk plus today, which is probably for the best. Uh, the Jays had won three or four. The bats had started to get going a little bit. And any of that goodness out the window last night in what's among the more frustrating four, two losses you can have. The Brewers are fine. They're not as good as, Hey, division leading uh, three games above 500 might sound. You look under the hood and they are not a particularly strong team. That's just a a weak division and they've managed to get by. They've been outscored dramatically on the season. Uh, It's just, uh, it's just rough going in the NL central right now. You lose some games, but to lose games in this fashion, and let's start with the hitter side first, because a lot of this hour is going to be about Alec Manoa and his continued struggles. We've got some audio from him after the game last night. Look at some of the numbers. Not Although at this point, I, I don't know how much of what's going on with Alec Manoa is numbers related. Excuse me. I had to sneeze. Allergic to bad baseball, as it turns out. Uh, the hitter side. Toronto Blue Jays muster seven hits yesterday. Only two runs. Here's a statistical oddity for you. They didn't strike out. That's only the third time since 2017 that a team has gone an entire baseball game without striking out. Guess what? The other teams that did it won their games and scored more than two runs. Uh, Pretty rare to put that many balls in play, uh, get bat to ball that well and not have any of it work out. Now, part of this is you see over the course of the last two days, the highs and lows of being a high contact team without the long ball, where on Tuesday, everything falls in the, the Jays to start that game, 10 of 15 on balls in play. And it's single, single, single. They're sequenced. Well, guys are taking the extra base and things like that. And then you see yesterday when a lot of them just aren't finding spots and a lot of them aren't being strung together and yeah, you get in your own way a little bit. Kevin, by the way, of those uh, of those seven hits, four of them were extra bases. Matt Chapman had a double. Kevin Biggio had a double that just missed. Varsho double. Kiermaier had a triple. I took my mom to the game yesterday. She was very happy that Kevin Kiermaier was back in the lineup, by the way. 
think he's a, a mom's favorite uh, there. But you get four extra base hits. You get seven hits overall. None of them are, are strung together. You don't draw a single walk. Your three hitter in, in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has another offer. Your leadoff hitter in George Springer has an offer. Um, it's rough. And then we're back to the talking point from a couple weeks back of, yeah, they went one for 13 with runners in scoring position. So even when they put those guys on, they were putting them on early in innings and just failing to bring them around. It's pretty frustrating. So some of that is the highs and lows uh, of, you know, being a team that's a little reliant on batting average on balls in play. Some of it is the Brewers are a really good defensive team and no, you can't shift the way that the shift had become, but you can still move your defense around strategically. And the Milwaukee Brewers found the Blue Jays to be a pretty easy team after the way Tuesday went pretty easy team uh, to figure out Wednesday in terms of where they hit the ball. And, and there's a, you know, you get a, a little bit of an element of Julio Tehran's a, a known commodity and you have an idea how some of his pitches are going to play. But this performance coming against Julio Tehran, who was out of baseball like 17 minutes ago, who was in the minor league system of the San Diego Padres and, yes, was able to free himself from that deal and allegedly had multiple major league suitors. I get all that. He had an ERA of like six in AAA. You look at some of the, we now have StatCast data for, for AAA pitchers. You can go through it. You don't get the nice StatCast page, but you can look game by game at, at how certain pitches were working. He was not an effective pitcher at the AAA level. He had barely pitched in baseball over the la- in Major League Baseball over the last three years. And when we last saw him, he had an ERA in the double digits in the pandemic season as a member of the Los Angeles Angels. To go six against him, with one unearned run and yeah, I mean, you didn't take a walk. You didn't strike out. I I get it. You were putting balls in play, but to come away with that with only four hits over six innings, Julio Tehran got six innings and he only threw 79 pitches again, fresh from not even fresh from the minors, fresh from the, the scrap heap. We talk about replacement level wins above replacement or what is a replacement level player. It's Julio Tehran. When it comes to starting pitchers, I don't mean that as a, dig at him. I mean, he is probably the best guy who is available at the end of May because nobody's available. If you were good, you would be somewhere. You would be on a roster. Um, So he is kind of that definition of replacement player. And I know that he had a a good start to start prior to he gave up one run over five innings. And maybe there's an element of you throw five different pitches and you change locations, you change speeds, um, you change eye level and no one's seen you. Like a a lot of the Blue Jays hadn't even faced Julio Tehran before. Um, I get that. But you're a major league baseball team that is, expects itself to be a top 10 offense. You got to do more than four hits and an unearned run off of Julio Tehran. Very frustrating game from an offensive perspective. I don't know that that's what people are most focused on coming out of that one. Even though you are, you are going to win very few baseball games only scoring two runs. And that's because Alec Manoa struggled again yesterday. Now, the final stat line isn't terrible, terrible. It actually lowered his earned run average. He gave up two earned over four innings, three hits, three walks, only two strikeouts. Gave up a home run to Abraham Toro, who was also, and I don't mean to be negative about a Canadian guy, but he was fresh up from the minors. It was his second plate appearance of the season. 
and he took him deep. And this is not a guy that's been known for the bat at the major league level or in the minor league. So not a, not a great note there. It also took Alec Manoa 89 pitches to get through four innings. Him and John Schneider had the conversation uh, in the dugout about Manoa coming out. It seemed like Manoa wanted the fifth inning, wanted to try to keep it going. He, he had danced through a little bit of trouble in the fourth in a way that maybe you could take some encouragement from. Um, overall, you give up a two-run home run over four innings, and that's it. You you maybe aren't – like if this were an isolated game, you would be okay with that. If you say Kikuchi had a start like that, you'd be okay with that. But this continues – a huge pattern for Alec Manoa of struggling. Again, the ERA is 546 right now. He's started more games than anyone in baseball. He's also walked more batters than anyone in baseball. He's given up 10 home runs, which isn't uh, super high, but I think what you're really starting to see is as he reaches for command, you're seeing still uncompetitive pitches that are very clearly balls, and that's why he leads the league in walks, and that's why he has a walk rate that... You know, Jays fans haven't seen over this large a sample since Kyle Drabeck and pretty much no one around baseball is posting right now. And the the other part of that is if you are struggling to locate on the edges and your balls are so far off the plate as balls, what that probably means is that the strikes you do throw are catching an awful lot of plate and guys like Abraham Toro can take you deep. More concerning than the stat line was the demeanor and the body language and the talking points after the game. Alec Manoa is very clearly going through it right now and reaching a little bit to try to figure out what's going on. There were three quotes that stood out to me uh, from last night. So we're going to play some of Manoa's audio here. I I mean, this is uh, the first one is pretty straightforward and what you'd want to hear from for a guy taking accountability. But you tell me if you can hear in Alec Manoa's voice post game that this is all really starting to wear on him. It's been tough, obviously. Uh, <clears throat> not doing what I'm meant to be doing. So just got to keep fighting, and, you know, keep uh, finding positives um, and building off them. So the positive from yesterday, I guess, would be that, hey, two runs isn't actually that bad, right? You 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 absolutely need more than four innings out of the guy who was supposed to be your ace, but you give up two over four. You, you should leave that game comfortable that a fairly well-rested bullpen can keep you in it and the bats can come around. And that's how it played out. Um, Trevor Richards gave them two good, clean innings out of the bullpen, one hit, three strikeouts. He continues to give them a lot of length um, as a as an early relief option. Tim Meza got in some trouble, and uh, Adam Simber had to clean that up, and then Anthony Bass did a, a clean inning uh, other than a walk to eight-hitter Victor Caratini. Uh, Anthony Bass got some booze on his way out, which isn't uh, all that surprising and not all that undeserved. So uh, the bullpen mostly did their job, though. They, they go five innings, giving up two runs. Again, you, you think you're probably in good shape there because the Toronto Blue Jays' offense against... Julio Tehran should be able to put up more than two runs of offense. So if you're Alec Manoa, maybe that's something that you're pulling as a small positive because you didn't let the damage snowball in inning. You gave up a bad home run. You walked a lot of guys, but you mostly danced around it. Um, Not in a way anyone's happy about, but again, Alec Manoa is talking about finding uh, small positives and building off of them. Something that's not positive from that, of course, is the three walks. 
So again, he leads the league in walks on the season with 41. He is walking more than 16% of the batters he faces, which is astronomical. I used the names a couple times yesterday. The names you're talking about that have lasted a whole season as a starting pitcher, putting up those kind of numbers in the last 20 years are Daniel Cabrera and Victor Zambrano. It's not who you want to be in a conversation with guys who, you know, I believe the Cabrera season was when he was with the Orioles and they were not particularly competitive, but you need someone to soak up innings. And Victor Zambrano basically made a career off of bouncing around the league, being able to soak up innings with a 450 ERA. It's not what you want for Alec Manoa. Now, I think the the command is obviously the biggest thing. And if you wonder how much of this is mental versus physical, well, Alec Manoa has uh, an idea about that and kind of led us inside where his psyche's at right now. And when you talk about an attack in the zone, how much of that is a mental decision to do it and how much of it is the actual act of, of hitting your spots there? Where's that break up? Yeah, I think it's, it's obviously both, you know. Um, the mindset of don't throw a ball here instead of throw a strike right here is a... It's a it's a difference maker. And uh, right now I'm stuck in don't throw a ball here. So don't throw a ball here instead of throw a strike here. And again, that's, I, I think when you try to tie the mental to the mechanics, that's why you see significant misses and then strikes that catch too much of the plate. Now, if we look at something like uh, Fangraph's uh, run value, Manoa hasn't given up too, too much damage over the heart and shadow parts of the plate. When he can locate hitters are not teeing off on it at too high a rate. Like, yes, the Abraham Toro one, not a great example. He has given up 10 home runs, but Manoa is still Manoa when he can locate on the edges of the zone, on the shadows. Manoa though has given up more run value. So, you know, compare, compare what an average pitcher would do to, to what Manoa's done when it comes to pitches that aren't, all that competitive. So chase pitches, which are a little bit outside of the zone, the hitter should be able to tell it's a, you know, a good hitter will be able to tell that that's a ball. Some guys will still swing at that and, you know, do some damage or some guys will will take it for a ball. He is near the top of the, he is actually number one in the league in how poorly he is pitched when it comes to balls just outside of the strike zone. So chase area. He's also number one in by a long shot in how much value he's lost from wasted pitches. So these are the pitches that are so far outside of the zone. Nobody other than maybe Vlad senior would swing at them. Uh, They are just not competitive pitches. They're not competitive pitches in terms of setting up what you're doing next. Like a, a chase pitch, even if it's taken for a ball could be an effective pitch to help set up what's next or change a guy's eye level or let him see the break. And then you locate it just a little, little differently next time. These waste pitches are that they are wasted pitches and Alec Manoa has cost himself an estimated 11 runs this year on waste pitches. Nobody else is higher than eight. And the guys that are higher, that are that high, are not the kind of guys that you want to be associated with. And if they are, they're guys who have done a ton of positive in other areas of the strike zone. So we'll see Kodai Senga on Sunday, for example. And, and he's been one of the guys who struggled with these waste pitches or, you know, pitches that just miss, right? You imagine a catcher setting up high in the zone, but that pitch comes in where the catcher's got to stand straight up and it looks borderline like a pitch out. Well, Kodai Senga struggled with those as well. But first of all, the difference between costing yourself six runs and costing yourself 11 runs 
with those is very significant. And Kodai Senga has also, when it comes to pitches on the edges of the zone, been one of the very best pitchers in baseball. So, um, you know, there's more of an argument there that if he is missing, it's effectively wild uh, to use that term because he's still getting a lot of value from the, the shadow areas or the fringy areas of the zone. Alec Manoa, again, leads the league in run value lost to chase pitches, leads the league in run value lost to wasted pitches. That, to me, gets to some of the mental here because if it was a mechanical thing, you're not missing by that much. I don't think it's a mechanical thing at this stage that has you throw balls three inches outside the zone or walk guys on four pitches and and things like that. Now, in terms of pulling Manoa after the fourth inning, um, we saw John Schneider and Alec Manoa have that chat in the dugout. And last start when Manoa came out after three innings, he was very, very fired up in the dugout. The cameras caught him and, you know, whether it was at Schneider, whether it was just at himself, very, very fired up. Yesterday, he looked resigned. He looked sad, honestly, in the dugout and kind of head down and accepted it. There didn't seem to be a a ton of fight in there. This is uh, what Manoa was talking about. Uh, in regards to that after the game, and you can feel the emotion that he's dealing with in talking about this. I'm just just trying to go get another inning. Uh, trying to help the bullpen. Trying to get some momentum for this team. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I would love to go out there and throw nine innings and not even have to, you know, talk to the manager until I'm shaking his hand at the end. So uh, that's not where we're at right now. Just got to keep going. That's not where they're at right now. And John Schneider, you know, tried to be encouraging in his press availability after the game as well. Talked about needing to see incremental gains from Manoa. Again, maybe the not taking a ton of damage as you're struggling to locate is one of those incremental gains. But he also only got four innings. Uh, Again, four of his last five starts, he's failed to get out of the fifth. That is something that, again, I've mentioned this a bunch of times, but one of the signs of being an ace to me or one of the things that I just found most positive about Alec Manoa last year was the ability when you didn't have your best stuff, you didn't have your best location to at least eat innings so that you don't burn the bullpen so that you can, you know, six innings allowing four runs is better than four innings allowing three runs, right? Like, like just get longer into games, uh, keep your team in it. And Manoa was of course not very prone to, to earned run blowups last year. Like, he didn't have a lot of games like the handful he's had this year. Where he gives up four, five, seven runs. Um, that is something that I, I would love to see him get back to. I don't know how you do that with his level of pitch efficiency right now, where he just took 87 pitches to get through three innings against Tampa and took 89 pitches to get through four innings uh, against a pretty light hitting Brewers lineup last night, a Brewers lineup that sure, I, I guess you could say they worked some, some good plate appearances and Brian Anderson looked okay up there and stuff, but this is, uh, this is not really a, an elite offense that, that Alec Manoa was having trouble finding spots against and pitching against. So, uh, there is a ton to unpack. And at this point, I, I hate doing the psychological uh, analysis too quickly because we don't know. And, you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of physical things that can go on and stuff too. But after seeing that one, seeing the last couple starts, hearing these quotes from Alec Manoa, hearing the quotes from John Schneider after the game, it's hard not to ascribe uh, at least a big chunk of this to how this is wearing on Alec Manoa mentally. There's no help coming. There's nobody at AAA ready to go. There's nobody on the IL ready to come off. There's no sixth starter. There's not even an off day for a little while. 
So Jays are going to have to continue to figure this out. We'll try to continue figuring it out with Ben Nicholson-Smith uh, after the break here. Again, a reminder, JSOC Plus only an hour today. We've got the Brad Tree Living uh, introductory press conference, the new general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, coming to you on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and Sportsnet 360 at 11 o'clock. J.D. Bunkus will join me here for that hour uh, to react off of that or, or set it up. But we do have another segment to talk Jays, and it's going to be Manoa heavy. We'll, get, we'll touch on the bats being as bad and, and unthreatening as they were yesterday for sure, but Alec Manoa had pitched himself into being a face of this franchise. He got the six-part documentary treatment from Hazel May. He got the mic'd up at the All-Star game. He got the Cy Young votes. When you started talking about Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as the two core pieces this team's building around, Alec Manoa had worked himself into that conversation. It wasn't Bo and Vlad. It was Bo and Vlad and Manoa. So, of course... We're going to have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out how Alec Manoa finds his way back from this. Uh, ben Nicholson-Smith joins us after the break to do just that. As JSTOC Plus continues on Sports at 590 and Sports at 360. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy with you until, well, I'm with you until uh, noon, but Jay's Talk Plus with you until 11 because, uh, again, as a heads up, Brad Tree Living will be announced as the, or be introduced as a Toronto Maple Leafs new general manager today at 11 o'clock. We'll have live coverage of that for you. Uh, we'll take you to the presser, and then J.D. Bunkus will be with me to uh, talk about it after the fact. Uh, right now, though, we've got more Alec Manoa to talk about. It's the biggest story in... Toronto sports. I think uh, the guy who was a face of the franchise is a face of the franchise and was a Cy Young candidate last year, uh, continues to struggle, continues to not give length. Ben Nicholson Smith of Sportsnet at Sportsnet.ca joins us now. Ben, where do we even start, man? Well, it's not going well for Alec Manoa. I mean, that's been clear all season and arguably is more apparent than ever right now after that four inning start. A lot of frustration for Manoa. Not good command. So it's a frustrating situation for him and for the team because they really need him. They do. And you mentioned the four inning part of it. I guess just, I mean, this is a, a bit of a minor thing given how large the Manoa thing looms overall. But Manoa, you know, dances out of some trouble in the fourth. He's only given up two earned runs. What did you think of the decision to, to not hand him the ball for the fifth and let him try to keep going there? Well, I think it's clear if he was pitching better, they would have given him that chance. But after 89 pitches and they already had Trevor Richards loose, he was ready to come in. The top of the order was coming up. I think it made sense to try to hold the Brewers where they were. At that point in the game, you're down 2 nothing, and you don't want to give the top of the order a third chance against Manoa, just the way he's been pitching. So clearly... It was not what Manoa wanted. There was some frustration in the dugout that we could all see there as he was trying to lobby John Schneider to stay in the game. Schneider telling him, look, we've got Richards ready to go. He's going to come in. And, you know, you look at the final line, four innings, a couple runs. I mean, you can work with that. It's, it's not good, certainly, but you can work with that. And I think the fear was whether the Blue Jays would put it in these terms or not. If you let Manoa go out for a fifth, then maybe things unravel a bit more. 
Right, and then maybe it's not as much to to build on or, or the team's further behind or whatever. Although it didn't sound after the game like Alec Manoa was viewing that start as something to build on. He sounded uh, as about, about as you know, searching for, for confidence about as down on himself as I can ever remember hearing him talk. Um, what was, what was your reaction to, I mean, great on Manoa being as open and vulnerable as he was and wearing his heart on his sleeve as he always does. But, um, did you come away from his post game presser a little more worried about where he's at mentally right now? Um, you know, I wouldn't say more worried about where he's at mentally. I think it's, clear i mean he's someone who wears his emotions on his sleeve good or bad and it's pretty clear that this season has worn on him and you know that's for him to say it's not for for us to you know make those those guesses necessarily but i I think it's it's pretty apparent that it's been a challenging season for him and yesterday he was visibly frustrated in the dugout and so this is what you'd expect after you go from being a cy young finalist to being one of the least effective starting pitchers in Major League Baseball. It is a huge, huge swing. It's obviously not what Manoa expected. There are big stakes to all this, remember. I mean, there's not only the stakes for the Blue Jays this season, but he's going to be arbitration eligible after this year. There's was talk of an extension um, before this season began. So personal stakes, stakes for the team, um, and, and clearly – wearing this would wear on anyone mentally i mean if if you go from you know the height of your profession to really struggling to even get by in a very short period of time with limited reference points to to work off of for a guy who's 25 years old it's a ton to go through it is and you know i think that there is obviously we can you know talk to the Pete Walkers of the world, or I had Dennis Cook on yesterday who used to be Manoa's pitching coach and try to do some of the, you know, tactical mechanical stuff. But there is a mental mechanical connection here. And I think that's materializing most in his inability to, to throw strikes. And he had that quote last night that he's no longer thinking, throw a strike. He, he's thinking, don't throw a ball. And he's been very, uh, incapable of following those instructions. He's throwing, he's throwing a lot of balls. He's been very pitch inefficient. He's walking more batters than just about anyone in the league. And Ben, I referenced a a stat earlier that, you know, when we look at these stat cast metrics for how much value are you getting when you're pitching in the heart of the zone, how much value are you getting when you're pitching on the edges of the zone and, and, and so on already with chase pitches. So pitches that aren't that close and waste pitches that are just not competitive at all. Alec Manoa has already cost himself as many runs here through 12 starts with those non-competitive pitches as he did all of last year or all of 2021 to you. Is is that the biggest kind of flashing indicator of that, that mental mechanical connection that when you're missing by that much? Well, and we saw it last night, there are a lot of balls that were just in the dirt that no hitters going to swing at. Like literally no one is going to swing at a ball that bounces five feet in front of home plate. But no one knows this. I mean, everyone knows this. It's, it's pretty apparent from Little League on. So it's not an intellectual question. There are these mechanical aspects. There are these mental approach aspects. And I think, you know, to, to go back to the mental side, I appreciate that he's being candid. I appreciate that he's acknowledging what we're seeing here. And he's saying, yeah, this is really hard. I am trying to search for it right now. I, I really don't have the kind of um, command, the kind of approach that I would want to have. So I think, you know, I, I certainly, as a media member, appreciate that kind of candor. Um, 
But yeah, where it leads is a is a big question here. And he's someone who just the, the biggest thing for me is he's got to be in the strike zone more. So how that happens, obviously, there's a mechanical aspect. Obviously, there's a mental aspect. I don't know how long it's going to take. I doubt at this point that it's a one start fix, but he needs to be just in the strike zone more. So in terms of a one-star fix, that, that's not there. I'm with you. I, I don't think – I think if there were something that simple to tweak, they would have tweaked it by now. They would have found it. They would have unlocked something in a bullpen session. Uh, John Schneider was talking last night about incremental gains that the team needs to see from Alec Manoa. To you, what would be an incremental gain that you think is – you know, reasonable to put a, as an expectation next start out or, or next two, three starts out to for like, like what can Alec Manoa focus on? That is obviously all of this is going to wear on him. But when John Schneider says incremental gain, what do you think Alec Manoa can focus on to get a little bit more or, or give a little bit more rather to the Blue Jays start to start? To me, it's, it's very simple. It is just avoiding those leadoff walks. We saw him in the four innings he pitched issue a leadoff walk three times. So you just can't do that. And again, he knows this. I'm not saying anything that isn't abundantly clear to Alec Manoa, to Alejandro Kirk, to Pete Walker, John Schneider. They, everyone knows this. <laughs> you know, it's, it's obvious. But at the same time, it's true. And that's the kind of thing. Like, I, I think if you're the Blue Jays, you would probably rather see Alec Manoa allow two leadoff home runs than allow three leadoff walks. You just want him in the zone more because – Guess what happened when he issued a leadoff walk um, in the second inning? Boom. Next hitter, Abraham Toro, hits a two-run homer. All of a sudden, the Jays are behind 2 nothing. So those walks, I mean, it's such a baseball cliche, but it's true. The walks do come back to haunt you, and he just needs to attack, and he needs to make major league hitters beat him. Because if you're out there in batting practice hitting 60-mile-an-hour fastballs, not every one of them goes out of the yard. Some of those can be caught, you know. So you just need to challenge these hitters and trust that your stuff will be good enough to take that incremental step forward. So uh, we, just a, a heads up here. Um, this is not for you, Ben, but it's for the listeners. In addition to Brad Tree Living uh, being introduced as the Toronto Maple Leafs' new general manager uh, at 11 o'clock, and we'll bring you live coverage of that. Kyle Dubas has been named the new president of hockey operations of the Pittsburgh Penguins as Whoa. well. So uh, we will be uh, not going as long with you as we thought, Ben, as we, we pivot off of this, and we'll get we'll start um, for listeners. J.D. Bunkus is going to join me in a little bit. We'll go to the Tree Living Presser Live, but uh, we'll start talking about some of that in a bit. But, Ben, while we still have you, so um, the Jays don't have – Many off days ahead. They're in this stretch of 30 games in 31 days. Uh, Manoa still has two more starts to make on turn until the next off day. And then even after that off day, they then play nine days in a row again uh, before the next off day. So there aren't really a lot of opportunities to skip a guy's turn in the rotation, juggle the rotation, anything like that. Um, and of course, we've discussed that, like, there's nobody at AAA if you needed to try to get Manoa a phantom I Elston or triple a stint or something like that. Um, what, like how dire would this situation have to get for the blue Jays to start exploring those kind of things? What a, an extra starter might look like, or, or a phantom I Elston might look like, like how much worse would it need to get? Well, here's where it would lead, right? Because, you know, someone like Trevor Richards, who is picked up from Alec Manoa in each of his last two starts, and by the way, that Dubas news is interesting, but I'll let <laughs> others speak to that. <laughs> so um, 
So, yeah, so Richards has come in in relief of Manoa both times. He's been really effective. And so there's, there's a part of me when I'm watching, and I don't think it's the most logical part, but there's a part of me that thinks, man, Trevor Richards, just get him in there to start a game, just kind of bullpen your way through one of these things, and maybe you let Manoa, you know, just work some things out on the side. But I catch myself when I start thinking along those lines because, you know, it's not like we're about to head into the all-star break. It's not like we're at the end of the season. There is so much baseball left. And if you start doing that to your bullpen, to Trevor Richards, to the others who would have to pick up innings, you just run them into the ground. So I don't think you can do it with the bullpen game. Mitch White is working his way back gradually, but probably more of a bulk reliever role. Certainly not someone who has the overwhelming stuff that you would confidently put in there as a, as a starting pitcher uh, on turn and, and be really sure that he's going to give you better results than Manoa. So, you know, maybe you just roll with Manoa for now, hope he gives you four or five two times through and have a guy like Richards or Nate Pearson ready behind him. Yeah, and Richards, you know, he has given you some some terrific two-inning stints, even that three-inning stint the other day. He hasn't thrown more than 50 pitches in a start, though, since uh, he was with the Tampa Bay Rays, which is a couple teams and several years ago. So, um, you know, three innings is probably the absolute most. And like you said, that puts a real toll on your bullpen. You don't have... Uh, you don't even have the the benefit of, you know, off days to rest the bullpen or, hey, send this guy down and call someone back up from AAA because most of the Jays relievers don't have options. Um, would you consider, and I'm asking this one because uh, someone in the text line, Simon in, in Shelburne, kind of asked what you had just said, um, but also asked a, a little bit about would you consider Richards as an opener for, for Manoa? I, I personally would. I'm not a big believer in, in the opener um, unless it's, you know, a, a really fringy starter and you're trying to cobble together like a bit of a bullpen day. Um, but would you would you consider that at all? Um, I, I don't know that it fixes anything, but maybe changing something up. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I would consider it. I'm considering it now, and I don't really land on yes for that i mean my initial impression is just roll with manoa in case he can maybe give you five and then you can roll with richards after that or maybe you go out in front by a big amount and then you don't have to burn richards at all I, yeah i i don't initially gravitate to that um you know at this point but you know, one way or another, the Jays have to be open-minded. I like the open-mindedness there to just look for some sort of solution. Um, you know, I, I think bullpen days are tough. I think there's not, you know, if Ricky Tiedemann was fully healthy, this would be a great time, you know, just as Manoa was two years ago to bring up the very exciting young pitcher. But hmm. Tiedemann, um, you know, is not in that position, obviously. Um, the guys at AAA are not going to be clear solutions. So this is the importance of depth. And you know, the reason the Rays, one of the reasons the Rays are where they are is they have incredible depth. And you see someone like a Springs or Rasmussen go down, you've got others to step in and do an incredible job. And the same can be said of their position player depth, too, where you've got Jose Siri and Harold Ramirez and all these guys coming out of nowhere to be incredible performers. So that's on the front office to build a deep roster. And right now we're seeing a hole in the depth. We're seeing a lack of depth and um, you know, the Jays have not even had to test their starting rotation, but if they did, you know, that would, that would really put some pressure on a group that really runs five deep, or maybe at this point with Manoa's struggles, it kind of runs four deep. Ben, uh, last question for you before we get talking Dubis and tree living, you're on the call with Ben Wagner again today on sports at five ninety, the fan and the Sportsnet app and wherever else you people listen to uh, baseball games. Are you going to get the call 
uh, a home run at all? Like, is this team ever going to hit for power? What What is up with the bats this last little bit? Yeah, it's been weird, right? A lot of contact. Uh, I think, did you tweet that they didn't strike out yesterday? Yeah, only the third time yeah. that's happened in baseball since 2017. So wild, wild. And then the other day they had the 13 singles, you know, so they're making contact. They're getting the bat on the ball and we're not seeing the home run power. I don't know, Blake. I mean, I really don't. I think um, this is a, a park that I always think of as home run friendly. I look at this lineup. You still got Springer and Vlad and Bo, even if you did trade away a couple of good hitters, you've got Varsho and Chapman. Like, I think it's going to bounce back. I think that, you know, where with Manoa, it's a bit more, you know, you kind of shrug and you say, I don't know what to expect. But with this lineup, they're going to hit some home runs, and I expect that that'll start today. Well, I hope it uh, I hope it does. I hope you have a great call. It's Kevin Gosman against Freddie Peralta. It's 1 p.m. down at Rogers Center. Uh, you're on the call with Ben Wagner. Ben Nicholson-Smith, thanks for taking the time out, man. You got it. Thanks for fitting me in between the Dubas news and the tree living and everything else. Yeah, let's say it's hockey time, baby. Leafs talk plus from, from here on out. Thanks, yeah. Ben. Ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet at Sportsnet.ca. Again, Jay's in action at 1 p.m. Kevin Gosman against Freddie Peralta. Ben Wagner and Ben Nicholson-Smith on the radio call for you. We'll have that here on Sportsnet 590, the fan on the Sportsnet radio network. A heads up about what is to come this next little bit, though. So uh, this is it for Jay's Talk Plus for today. J.D. Bunkus is going to join me after the break. We're going to talk about Kyle Dubas being the new president of hockey ops of the Pittsburgh Penguins. We're going to take you live to... Brad Tree Living being announced or introduced rather as the new general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs around 11 a.m. Uh, the Jeff Merrick show takes place as normal at 12 Kipper and Bourne at 2 p.m. But because the Jays game is on Kipper and Bourne will be on Sportsnet now and YouTube as usual. And then they'll be replayed uh, after the Jays game and after a brief Jays talk with show Ali. Uh, if you want more Jays talk coming out of that Blair and Barker in their five to seven slot as well. So uh, that's the heads up on what's coming today. We're going to take a break right now. Jay's Talk Plus, done for the day. The the first ever, I guess we'll call it Leafs Talk Plus, uh, with me and J.D. Bunkus uh, next on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and Sportsnet 360.